Insert gay card. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Wish I knew how Queens is I'm gay. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Gay card revoked. Hi, I'm Robbie Roselle. And I'm Rob Schneider. And this is Gay Card Revoked. It is. Hi, hi Rob. This is exciting. We're back. Last week's episode was so great. Yeah, you you, you must have been over the moon. You got to meet Patrick Christo. He was the loveliest human. Human. That's the only way I can describe him. A human Muppet. He was a joy. Uh, and talking about that Ellen episode was and Showgirls, uh, my dreams, all my dreams came true. Oh, it was it was a good time to be had by all. I also, I'm going to be honest. I, I I freaked out a little bit because he sent us an email afterwards saying like, yeah. "You guys are the best. You both are nuts." And I was he like, also, to hear- "That's true." He certainly said that. He also wrote down the name of my album because he wants to buy it. So I was like, "What a dream!" Why I'll send you, you a him copy. An, I was going to say, "Why don't you send him an autographed copy?" Because, hey, well, he probably does have a CD player. Most people don't. He probably does, and that's yeah. okay. I, I, it's I really have... good putting out music in this time, printing <laughs> CDs when nobody can play them. I have a gramophone. Let me oh, know good. when it gets to, when it goes on gramophone. I have um, a parrot. <laughs> just it's a laughing. <laughs> <laughs> just a reminder: what is the name of your album? Where can people purchase it? Songs from Inside My Locker, live at Fine Science Fifty Four Below, is available digitally on all streaming outlets did you say digitally yeah i thought you said tishily i was like what's tishily tishily is not a word until now but it's somebody who went to tish but they have to take the year off because they're only teaching online so it's like tishily oh my god yeah god you're fast (laughs) oh my gosh and what hey and what are we watching today we're watching the 2000 film the 20th anniversary uh of the cult queer classic but i'm a cheerleader and I'm so excited because I saw this movie in the movie theater and I haven't seen it since. So I went back and watched it this week. It's available on iTunes. It's on Amazon Prime. Shut us off. Come back. Uh, go watch it. Shut okay. us off. And, and then come back and listen to our discussion. And we have a drink every week. Rob, what is our drink this week? <laughs> well, okay. So just, just to clarify, I, I feel bad. I, I tell Robbie what the drink is usually like, two minutes before we get on the air That's and cool. and usually i i like to think big i like to think you big. you dream huge you're like <laughs> you got some absinthe laying around you made any green tea <laughs> have you chilled it have you strained it have you stirred it that's the rob schneider way and this week what did you get for us today you are drinking but i'm a beer leader any cheap beer that you would drink in high school is going to be the drink for today so right. I have a Campari and tonic. Oh, really? You you don't even follow the... Never mind. To hell with you. I didn't go to college, so I don't have the beer taste. I don't have the beer Natty Light? Did you drink Natty Light? No. I drank Zima because I'm old. (laughs) Whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he started MySpace. And the rest is history. His name is Tom. He wears a pork pie hat. (laughs) He has no friends. only shot from reverse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and first of all, this this movie today came to us recommended by our guests for today, which mm-hmm. I am so excited about. Would you please welcome to the guests? This is our first like duo, a couple. We got a couple. We love a duo. We we love people that are happy and in love. We love don't any we? people, honestly. <laughs> we really do. This is yeah. the wonderful Shannon Agnew and Caleb Essenthayer. And Caleb, so- your pronouns are they them. Uh, they them. Yes. Great. Uh, amazing. And Shannon, yours are. Uh, she, her, hers. Great. Amazing. All right, you two. Where'd you meet? Well, uh, we actually met on OkCupid uh, a million years ago, one of the more comprehensive dating websites where they're like, we need your blood type. Like, <laughs> sure, we sure, know sure. <laughs> what size shoe you wear, a fingerprint, <laughs> s- sample swab, and it's all changed <laughs> now. Um, but uh, my friend from college was like, you should make a profile and I said okay and so I messaged one person and then I deleted the app and that person was Caleb yeah and that oh. was 10 years ago wow <laughs> you that's a bringing a digital u-haul to the first date that's it what that is, is. yes it, we truly did yes it truly, it 
it seems fitting that your first couple of courses like a a queer lesbian cultural lesbians at least um we started chatting uh and i noticed that she was like the first person who actually listened and responded to every point that i made so it was like yeah it was very interesting to actually meet somebody who was listening so um We then, she came to my choir concert at college. I was in a community college of Philadelphia uh, performing in their choir, and it was like one of my finals. And she was like, oh, I would love to come. And I was super, super, super intimidated because she had just graduated from a BFA program in New York. So I was like this, I'm, I'm just, yeah. So yeah, we, she came and we've been inseparable ever since, honestly, like from that night, yeah. we've, that was just it. And, okay. and t- 10 years? Almost. Uh, almost. Yeah, it'll be nine years this year. So and wow. and and what and wedding bells, children? Yes. yes. So we're very excited to announce that we just canceled our wedding because of COVID. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're actually so thrilled because you know, trying to find the silver lining in it. Um, you know, when you're planning a wedding, there are so many uh different kind of moving cogs and input from many different directions and we had an opportunity that the universe gave us to put kind of a pause on everything and then replan in a way that felt authentically and genuinely uh, ourselves and that that was pretty cool so we we really got an opportunity as like as we put together plan b it's actually plan a so that that made us pretty happy <laughs> so that's fantastic where are you re- where are you registered I don't know if like Lowe's has a registry because there's a couple of like L brackets that I really like true, true tea. Like as we are moving, I'm like, oh, I, I love a drill. Like I feel like Lowe's does. I feel like they probably do too. Yeah. So what, for both of you, what was your coming out experience like? Um, mine, I'm extraordinarily grateful that I have always had queer influence in my life. And my mom and and my dad, like, have been extraordinary. My dad's best friend growing up, like, you know, was a, a, a gay man. And we kind of had that role model and visibility in my life, which was super cool. And then I was just like a theater nerd, obese tuba player wearing like a tie-dye rainforest cafe green shirt with like an iguana on it and my orange parachute pants and like if that that was my non-verbal coming out and then my verbal coming out (laughs) was years later um through college I wasn't truly I was out with like a smaller community but then the conversation with my family was really amazing it was kind of surrounding Caleb where I sat down and I was like I met someone and and um at the time this was before they transitioned mm-hmm. i was like and i think it's going to be really important and they were it was kind of like a dream it was extraordinarily supportive um and my sisters have been extraordinary and uh i know that is not the case for everyone and so one of the things i like to try and do is make sure that people have at least a supportive ear when they are coming out now because I was able to have that grace given to me in my life. And Caleb, your process. Oh my gosh. Well, I had a very quietly gay upbringing crushing on such classics as Haley Mills in anything. And yes, uh, same. Loved her. Absolutely loved her. She was one of my first crushes. Her singing, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nine-year-old lesbian. You're like, okay. This is great. (laughs) And Anne Margaret, just you know, bye bye birdie. I uh, believe you mean bye bye bird he. Oh yes, 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 yes. Her her diction that you can't you can't pay for that. It's wild. I was also raised in a very conservative uh, Catholic uh, household, and by the time I was about fifteen or sixteen was when I was coming out. So this was about two thousand six. Um, so it it was a very different time compared to now. Um, but still way further advanced than, than other, other times, obviously. So I'm very lucky for that, but it wasn't the best. And I feel like I'm constantly in a process of coming out. Um, my family's not the most supportive, but like as a trans person, I feel like between coming out as a lesbian when I was 16 and then when I, as I got older and realized that I was trans, like I was coming out as trans and then even in the last couple of years as non-binary, 
like there's constantly this rediscovery and this growth that merits a sense of coming out. Um, and then just having to explain it to people who don't know me, that's like a constant coming out process. So yeah, I feel like it's ongoing. I'm, I'm still coming out 15. I always say that, that coming out is a daily pro like you don't come out once and you're done it's every mm -hmm. day yeah absolutely yeah i was gonna say i think for a lot of families that do find themselves you know hesitant about their children it, it is because you know there are many environmental factors of you know religious upbringings or you know cultural biases against homosexuality but also there is an inherent belief of like what did I do wrong that my my child is homosexual, mm. which kind of happens in the movie as well. Yeah, um, I which I, you know, <laughs> but I'm a cheerleader. We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but there also is an inherent bias of, you know, this is the trajectory that I have had in my life to find love, and my child won't have that. Mm. And when they see that's just absolutely unequivocally false, I think it helps some parents relax a little bit and say, I now understand a little more about your identity through the relationship you formed with your partner. Mm -hmm. That once it's like, oh, these people also get in fights about Instacart orders and then have to pay them. <laughs> like, it's just the same. Like, it is. I'll have to pay taxes, no matter. Right. It's like, it's the glamorous nothings that make up a life. And then you're like, oh, cool. So, so it's the same. I would you say the glamorous nothings that make up a life. That's great. That's, oh. a, that's a song. I'm writing that down. I'm copywriting Perfect. it. It's yours. Take it to another podcast. Enjoy. He's great, got I have so seven many. more. Actually, glamorous nothings is the title of a new podcast that Robin started. <laughs> It's just shirtless pictures of me. Glamorous. Correct. Look for things. it on Stitcher. Uh. <laughs> one, of the, one of the big themes in this movie is this idea of, you know, it can be, you can be un, untrained, right? You were trained to be gay and now you'll be untrained to be gay. Did yeah. mm -hmm. anyone, did anyone here, did anyone's family ever sit down and say, you know, let's talk about this as a viable option of something that you can change? Take it away, Caleb. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I I am very very fortunate. I was never kicked out of my home or sent to a conversion therapy place where like these actual practices took place. But I was and still am under a process of just they're just waiting for me to maybe change my mind. Maybe waiting for me to you know like I'm growing my hair during quarantine and that gives my mom the wrong idea. Like literal things like yeah. that. So yeah, I've, I've definitely had the experience and continue to have the experience of my parents wanting me to change and... Particularly when you were in high school oh, with yeah. Kairos. And yeah, I would, go, I, was, I would go on these religious retreats a lot. And the focus of that was, well, I don't know if that's necessarily... Uh, not relevant. conversion therapy. Yeah, it's not conversion therapy. It's very... Uh, it's, it's conversion therapy light. It's <laughs> yeah, very shaming, very shaming and mm -hmm. uh, strange. Like I was considered a leader uh, among my peers, but wasn't able to disclose my sexuality because they thought it would be distracting rather than helpful to people who may also be going through that same issue. Mm -hmm. To so, a group of young Catholic gays. Yeah, they're Catholic uh, sport. Like so 14, 15, 16. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I definitely have had that experience, but nothing like what's in the film. That yeah. is a real a reality for people. So let's talk about this movie. Let, yeah. I mean, for, first of all, luckily we all avoided what was going on in this film, but there are places yeah. like this. Wh where did you all first encounter this film? So I actually, I was introduced to it later. Um, I, I love all things kitschy, queer, ham. <laughs> Like, grew up with John Waters. I was allowed to watch Rocky Horror when I was 14, but I was 12. So, like, we kind of cheated <laughs> the timeline a little bit. And then we showed it to my sister when she was seven. We're like, watch this, learn this. This is us as a, as a human race. Like, so, um, but I had never heard of But I'm a Cheerleader. And I think part of that was, like, I had access to what was gay male culture growing up, specifically, like, um, because that was kind of the community that I was surrounded by, um, but I didn't know any lesbians. Uh, so it was Caleb who was like, 
when we met like oh i have to catch you up like this is the indigo girls learn them these are our people like and <laughs> and same thing with but i'm a cheerleader so i think i was like 21 when i first saw the movie um and I, it was, I was amazed. Mm. Like, this is everything I love. Like, the colors, the cinematography, the the severity of the story told with nonstop laughter. I was like, this is who I am as a person. Like, <laughs> so, how about you? Um, I found it when I was 16. Uh, I was very lucky to grow up in Philadelphia. So I was in a, I had access to the city and access to Philly's neighborhood, um, public transit. And I had a small community around me of, gay men like my my like peers my best friends um who we would go downtown on the weekends together and we would go to a, a store called giovanni's room which uh is one of the oldest still functioning queer bookstores and gathering places in the country and um that is where i would go and get all of my like books and movies that i would like take home in my little discreet bag and hide away in my room and one of them was, but I'm a cheerleader. And I just fell in love with it. Like the feeling, the euphoria of watching, like for me at the time, it was very gendered because I was I was like 16. I wasn't aware of my transness. Um, so seeing two women and seeing the love between two women be such a focal point of it was so intoxicating. Just the idea of seeing all of that media was a very intoxicating feeling. To, to consume it at that time. And this movie just kind of has stuck with me because of that. I have a very like romantic attachment to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Robbie, when did you first see it? I saw it in the movie theater in 2000 when it opened. Uh, I was in a shadow cast of Rocky Horror. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> at the art theater in Binghamton, New York. Uh, and they also showed like art movies like uh, but I'm a cheerleader and uh, I got to see them all for free because that's how we were paid the shadow cast. We didn't get money. We got come see anything you want. And usually it was like a David Lynch film. Um, but that's when I saw, but I'm a cheerleader. And, you know, I already loved uh, Kathy Moriarty and RuPaul, uh, RuPaul Charles. RuPaul in this Charles. Yes. Right. With brilliant. his real eyebrows. Um, <laughs> Last time they appeared on screen. Truly. <laughs> The last time his acting appeared on screen, too. Let's be very real. Okay, we're going to get to it. But So that's when I saw the movie. Um, and I, I, remember, I remembered loving it and thinking it was funny. And for years, I would walk around and just go, shit. Uh, like, one character just says that in the film. He's like, mm -hmm. does something that ends up with, shit, and walks away. And I just would walk into a room and just say that um, without context. <laughs> Who needs it? No one. <laughs> I love that. I hope yeah. that that year at the In Memoriam at the Oscars, like his <laughs> eyebrows was just like a thing that went by in <laughs> black and white. <laughs> and the year 2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. exactly. Rob, when did you first see But I'm a Cheerleader? I think I saw it like in the early 2000s because I was, I loved like all of those independent films of the 90s. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so i just it was just like part of like i think i had like a list and i was just going through the list of like 90s films and i didn't i didn't even think i knew what it was about i just knew it was like a big hit at sundance and i knew it was something that i wanted to see and then i watched it and i'm like oh this is like right up my alley you yeah, know it really it feels like in keeping with like uh drop dead gorgeous and films like that yeah you could draw a line to them and I'm, I mean, I love character actors. Like, I just love character actors. And when you meet her parents for the first time. Oh, yes. And I'm like, oh. it's, it's Bud Court from Harold and Maude. And mm -hmm. it's um, a Mink Stoll. Stoll. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be so subversive. Like, I was like, I am, I am so here to cast those two like incredible rebels of cinema as her like very traditional conservative parents. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm in. And then Bull from Night Court showed up. <laughs> I you died. Know. I, with hair. I, yeah. Larry Bear. And I was just like, well, I'm I'm in. I'm sold. But also like a, a pre four Oscar nomination, Michelle Williams has like a cameo. Yes. <laughs> At the beginning. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, That's wild to me. And it wild. was so like she filmed that during Dawson. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, they got some great 
Come people on. in this film. Eddie Cibrian yeah. and those shorts. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> and Natasha Leone, who mm-hmm. uh, I mean, was like the this, of the Indies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was like Absolutely. one of her first. It was, yeah. She had yeah. done what was the one before it slums of Beverly Hills. Remember yep. that one mm-hmm. with Alan Arkin, which I love. It's so good. Sure. But yeah, that's that's how it for me it was just part of like another movement I was interested in. But mm-hmm. it was so funny and it was so subversive. And of course, I like want to build a statue to Kathy Moriarty because I think Come she's such on. a talented <laughs> actress that like doesn't get the credit that she deserves. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. But when she when they were like, What does she say in there? She's like, uh, do you want to be a raging bull dyke? And I was like, <laughs> Raging Bull. They threw in a reference to Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. I was like, take all my money. <laughs> uh, watching her in the background in the scene where Natasha is on the phone and she's just sort of like tuning a guitar in bed. It's <laughs> yeah. so wild because why? But also busy work. And she's just fully into it. I love. I was obsessed. Oh my gosh. The, the Moriarty von Trapp. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> She truly is spectacular. It's so great. When she like goes into bedrooms at night with a flashlight, like she's Miss Hannigan, like, do I hear singing in here? Just that's, I was like, we were robbed of a Kathy Moriarty Annie revival. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, this is the closest we're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying we were robbed. Could she we still do it? Unclear. Theaters aren't open. Uh, but maybe via Zoom. <laughs> She could play all of them. She could be Rooster. She could be Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> she yeah. can do it. She can do anything yeah. she she wants. Um, okay, so my, so my question for you is is like one of the big things that the director wanted out of this film is Jamie Babbitt, um, and this was like her first feature film, and she's directed so mm-hmm. much episodic television. Yeah, um, she had, she did a lot of Russian Doll with Natasha Leon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Natasha Leon. She's another one. She gets the statue next to Kathy Moriarty. But one of these just two smoker voices next to each other. That's the sideshow revival I want. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of the things they said, you know, why do you want to make this film? And she said, I really want to draw a line in film between like the femme lesbian perspective and the butch mm-hmm. lesbian perspective. And she right. felt that like things like Go Fish and the Watermelon Woman were like on the butch end of things. So my first question though for you, for you is, is how do we feel about like that classification that there's a, there's a femme world and there's a butch world? So I think, well, first of all, if you don't know about like the watermelon woman or, or any of that, like that was the predecessor in like 1996. Yes. And that is such an important moment in like black queer lesbian identity. Mm-hmm. And I, it's awesome. But, but, so for your listeners, like go watch it as well. I've, I've never seen it. I've never Me seen it. Me neither. So put it. Let's put it on the list. Yeah. It's really, oh my god! Really they amazing. Shannon just revoked yeah. our gay card. No. <laughs> No, no, no. I won't revoke it. I'll just hold. Fine, it. fine. You <laughs> revoke it. I'm going on yep. the registry. I'm revoking the L brackets. <laughs> All right. That's. <laughs> I feel, I feel like if we trade back, <laughs> it will be okay. <laughs> sorry. So yes. Yeah, so yes. The water well, watermelon woman. Sorry. Yes. But um, it's uh, a woman who is running a video store, and then it is a commentary about reclaiming the history of these 1930 actresses who um, played mammy roles. It oh. is wild. So really cool, and it's the first feature film directed by a black lesbian. So it's also like super yeah. important. But it's an amazing point of inspiration for like queer cinema and queer theory and then I know also for but I'm a cheerleader and I think twofold like it's always fun to laugh at your own identity and say oh I resonate with that and like oh this is so femme or like oh that's very butch and I know that like kind of there's a parallel run in in gay male culture of like a bear and otter you know all these kind of labels and identities but I think also as I've met, it was a really easy way to hook into queer culture. And I was like, oh, I'm femme because my hair is long and like I wear lipstick and I'm a musical theater major. So let me like stand in forth and put my arms out and sing you a song. I'm gay. Like, um, and then uh, kind of your palette matures. I see many problems with even creating binary structure within the lesbian community because I think there is inherently a damaging property that comes from trying to put identity labels on people. Do you feel like this movie, how does that movie either help this idea or, you know, 
maybe not so much help the idea, but the idea of yeah. like a, a, fe, a femme perspective to to match the butch perspective that was sort of like yeah. the vocabulary of this of this time. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think like acknowledging like the vocabulary of the time, it was groundbreaking to mm-hmm. have a femme presenting teenage lesbian who also you know at the beginning of the movie she sits down and she's like i'm not gay i'm a catholic like i go to church i i'm a cheerleader you know it's the whole premise of having the american dream and being this kind of preppy blonde uh very traditionally feminine presenting human that also finds her sexuality completely unlinked from any of her physical characteristics or interests which is an important message yeah because i mean and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you know the the lot a lot of like lesbian characters if we ever saw them like on film or television usually were presented as very butch right they were presented as and so to have this idea like you said but yeah i'm a cheerleader i'm all american you can be gay and all american at the same time Mm -hmm. you know or fit that that construct of what all american is uh-huh. which is interesting did you know who they wanted before natasha leone they were looking at rosario dawson yes and the producer said no because she doesn't look all american enough like it just it, it's like this constant mm-hmm. like this this, uh. this labeling right yeah. like, so yeah. it's so amazing but okay so but we but we feel that by presenting this other side of the the coin because apparently yeah. there can only be two sides in 2000 <laughs> Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> were, other, otherwise, it would have been NC seventeen, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh well, let's. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Robbie. It nearly it was NC seventeen. Yes. And they had to fight for an R rating. Um, and there's nothing that happens in the film that's so explicit. Um, there's never nudity in the film. No. No. Um, not once. Uh, there. There. Apparently, the the NC seventeen was. Um, because of the sex scene that took place in the dark mm-hmm. um, yeah. while they were in full 50s, 90s. Yes. Yeah, you don't see a thing. It's like no. tight angles. Oh, yeah. It's meant to be more artistic and less right. about the porn, like mm-hmm. how I think you were explaining it. Yeah, yeah. like it, it was a far cry from the kind of 60s and 70s like male gaze lesbianism presented yeah. of like mm-hmm. these like pulp vampire movies or like a lecherous older woman who met her match and was, you know, mm-hmm. killed at the end because she was gay. Like, so this, sure. this was just, again, it's like, you know, like we were talking about these two people, I could very easily see them like, Doing that, going to bed, waking up, paying the rent, fighting over Instacart. Like, it was a really <laughs> representation. Mm-hmm. I do not understand how you can go into a PG-13 movie and you can see 20 million people's heads get blown off. You can yes. see so much violence. You see gore. You see, like, it's just so disgusting. But as soon as it's like, oh, it's about gay people, we're putting that into an R rating category. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. If Truly. not, if not an NC, well, you know, an NC-17. This, right. th- there is nothing about this movie that I would be like, I would not want a teenager to see. No, no. I rewatched Dick Tracy the other night, of which has a PG-13. Oh rating. yeah, and Madonna's like, it's all there. You see it all. Why? Do, why does that happen? Why is why is our country so afraid of showing two people having affection towards each other? Why? Why is that on can, hard for kids? But let me go show you how to you know blow someone's head off. Right. Right. Um, part of it, honestly, I believe, is a hangover from the Hayes Codes of the nineteen like twenties oh. through. 50s, yeah, like motion picture mm-hmm. land, and also I think part of it has a little bit to do with there's I've heard a couple of queer theorists talk about it, and it's like this this emasculation of straight men if lesbians are so punk rock that they need no man like in a relationship, and that is like damaging to culture, and there was mm-hmm. so much rhetoric flying around in you know from the 20s to the 50s and and before but but about how you know if you were homosexual it was illegal it was uh, subverted or there was some sort of damage to the person that i think reclaiming it in media was still punk rock but also 
we were fighting a lot of that socio understanding of homosexuality of like, oh, well, this is wrong. Mm. But but it's like, why? Why is it wrong? Do you think, too, it was a matter of when the film came, was made and came out? Because, like, Love, Simon is a PG-13 film. But, like, when we watch something on Netflix today, is there a rating? Is there, like, a warning? Yes. There is a rating. Top left corner, it'll say whatever. And next to it, it'll say, you know, nudity, drugs, suggestive what a language whatever but it, but it, but, it, but not like r pg13 pg no it will right? say like a pg13 oh, oh really it does jeez i didn't know yeah. that i didn't know i'm that. watching unsolved mysteries the new series <gasps> i'm watching it too what episode are you on sorry <laughs> uh, i just did i just watched episode two last night <gasps> yeah did you get to the french family yet no oh never mind Listen, okay sorry it's, we'll say it's we'll that save that for my night supermarket sweep which is like just stupid and calming I love Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, There's Debbie. She's oh, running yeah. over for a butterball turkey. That retails for $49.99. I'm obsessed with that. Whoever that guy is who's doing the play-by-play like it's football is... Give him an Emmy. Kiss. Give Truly. him an Emmy. Give him a Peabody. Yeah. Okay. Sit him at Kathy Moriarty's statue's feet. Give him the Westminster oh, yeah. dog <laughs> at all. And very quick, before oh, we move on from Supermarket Sweep, did you ever notice that there were, like, clearly queer couples on there? Yeah, and it was who like, were roommates. Yeah, and I was like, so, Tom, yeah. what? It, how do you know Frank? He's my roommate. <laughs> that, and I had never heard the term domestic engineer until I saw Supermarket Sweep this what, week. What's a domestic engineer? Uh, a, a homemaker. Oh, that a oh, domestic engineer. Oh, wow, I never yeah. heard that before. Uh, me neither. I think they made it up for Supermarket Sweep. There's, there's Betty. Language. She's a domestic engineer. She's running towards the roast. Those babies are fifteen ninety nine each. Ooh, she got four. She got Walking. four. Boy, her husband's gonna be happy. She's looking at him. Yes, he's nodding his approval. She can make a purchase. What a great <laughs> domestic engineer. And Robbie, there's one scene that I wanted to point out. It is yeah. in the credits, so you mm-hmm. have to stick around till the end. And her father stands up at a P flag meeting and yeah. says, oh, my daughter is gay. And the mom's in a hat, a scarf, uh, like sh- completely shrouded, like hiding behind like briefcase, like everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so beautiful because they were the ones that sent her to the conversion therapy camp at the beginning. And it's what mm-hmm. we were talking about at the beginning of, you know, maybe when you start to worry less for your child and you see how just normal their life is. Mm-hmm. So, even in a movie about conversion therapy, there is just 10 seconds of a happy ending. <laughs> and the, the conversion therapy camp is based on Jamie Babbitt's... What, yeah. what is gay conversion therapy? Like, what, like, if you went to an actual gay conversion therapy where it's not, like, satirized like this, like, what mm-hmm. exactly happens there? What do they do to you? So gay conversion therapy... Um, is is pretty rough um and uh there are what is it it's a trying to fix sexuality through different therapies so the conversion is from literally homosexual to heterosexual uh people refer to it as praying the gay away oftentimes it's electric shock therapy different medications talk therapy or psychotherapy um and it is really all just to change sexual orientation or gender identity through any sort of psychological, spiritual, or physical intervention. Um, They range in severity, but they are still legal in 30 states. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fight between people's, uh, you know, whether it be faith and sexuality or family life and sexuality often becomes so strong that like, I think they said um, uh, 42% of LGBT youth who undergo conversion therapy uh, reported suicide attempts in just 2019. Oh my God. And as of, uh, I think, a study from the Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law in California, there have been 700,000 LGBT adults who have undergone conversion therapy. So it's not a small problem. And I think the brilliance of this movie is that it takes something so heavy like conversion therapy and you're laughing the whole time. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about it afterwards and you're like, oh, 
this is the plot. It is so heavy. And then the whole time you're like, this is brilliant. I'm having a blast. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think it also does really well is it makes the heteronormative world seem quote unquote queer or odd. Yes. Because you look at all of them and you're like, what is wrong with all you people? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what world do you exist in? And I think, I didn't even realize it, I think, until, like, the end of the film where they all show up in, like, their cream-colored, like, cult-like <gasps> outfits. Can, can we talk about the colors in this movie? Yes. Because yes. this is yes. genius. I know it got so much flack in reviews, but I... Stunning. Absolutely stunning. Each room... Each group is color-coded. It's so good. All, all pink for the girls, all blue for the boys... Uh, with those crazy statues, crazy fucking cutout statues for the guys, like wood areas and things mm-hmm. that just look like penises and um, yeah. anal sex and stuff like that. Oh, maybe that's where the R comes from. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Also, I just need to talk about RuPaul's acting and because he's very good in this. And watching him lust over Eddie Cibrian and the the sort of the way he's mutated that in any acting he's done since then including um what was the series he just had oh aj and the queen yeah um and his lusting over that and the over the top acting that he does with uh jeffrey boyer chapman on uh drag race um he's not a great actor He's very good in this he's wonderful in this very funny the line deliveries feel lived in and real Mm -hmm without uh you know without too much of a wink because that's sort of rupaul's thing when rupaul's on screen the brady bunch whatever uh Mm -hmm. there's that wink right and it's not there as much and so props to your mama yeah (laughs) and a moment of silence for those eyebrows please oh my god it was so and that beard that like nice goatee good for him you know what I believed, and I, I I hope this doesn't sound off. I believed that he had actually gone through the program, like watching watching yeah. him. I got the sense that like he had gone through the program and was genuinely trying to attempt to lead like the quote unquote heteronormative lifestyle. I saw good acting, is what I saw. I saw yes. good acting. Yeah, Absolutely. what I remember is right at like after he had released his second album uh, called Foxy Lady, he had given like a big cover interview to the Advocate where he was like. I'm done with drag. I want to be just taken seriously and was like doing male presenting roles and, Mm. and wanted to record an album, not in heels and hair. I mean, I understand that to this day, it's a, it's a job. First of all, let's go back to the colors. It's not like they wear pink uniforms. It Mm. is like Pepto-Bismol threw up all over that world. (laughs) Yes. And and the same with and same with the blue. Everything is in those powder blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love waspy people, and I love <laughs> making fun of waspy people so much. Oh, yeah. Every time that Bud Court says my daughter's a homosexual, I literally <laughs> fell off my sofa laughing because you know he's like, I can't, I can't get it out. It's little character touches like that. Does anyone else notice that when Natasha Leon leaves the house? for the first time, that Ming Stoll puts the tofu in a Ziploc bag. Yes! Yes! <laughs> like, I, the, the tofu that he, she didn't finish off her plate. She's just, like, mm-hmm. in a Ziploc bag. I was like, I'm done. And from that moment on, I'm like, I'm sold. Absolutely. Well, and how brown... To me, it was like, uh, you know, I had finally matured out of The Wizard of Oz and could watch, but I'm a cheerleader because we go from this very brown palette and then she steps out into yes. this world is like plastic covered you hear the munchins going ah (laughs) amazing it's so beautiful um and in a way i actually thought that world was beautiful because it was so heightened and so grotesque and so binary and then it was this brilliant commentary on gender structure and and uh, you know gender roles and norms which we can get into um what i also thought was so so such a tiny touch but so brilliant everything is covered in plastic and apparently that was also a commentary on um uh aids the aid scare oh yes yeah I, I had read that that she that that's what it's representing like i'm i'm, I'm afraid of germs i'm afraid of catching aids so everything's gonna be yes. to me everything was just like taking it all back to the 50s where things were better 
making yeah. America great again, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the also her uh, Kathy Moriarty's character with the plastic flowers that she is <laughs> planting in the garden in the front shot. First of yeah. all, yeah, I would for sure live in that mansion. Yes. Oh, yes. That house is glorious. So apparently it was a real house, but the good people of the town in California where they were filming got word that it was like they were filming a lesbian movie and they thought it was porn. So they started to show up and be like, get out. Like, so. I didn't know. So, really? Yes. That's so incredible. So Leon did an interview about it, like, you know, in 2001 or something. We, we went on a YouTube wormhole the other day. But we heard that story. I was like, nah, uh, oh. That's hilarious. Yes. And the camp, they are taught, they're split into the the girls and the boys binary. And they are taught to do female presenting and masculine presenting things. The females uh, are learning to be (laughs) domestic engineers. Um, Really. (laughs) There she is, running down the aisle. (laughs) Natasha Lone. She got a carton of Marlboros, and that's all she's getting, Ted, are just cartons of Marlboros. Nothing else. Uh, so they're learning how to vacuum back and forth and, uh, and um, I'd like scrub the carpet with something. It's bizarre. And then the men are learning. Yeah. And the men are learning how to chop wood. Um, <laughs> And I would be that one, the one who said shit, who like, yes. like throws the thing behind him. Like the, yes. he goes to chop the wood and the ax goes flying as he like throws, uh, lifts it up to chop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, so what are some of your favorite scenes in the movie? Uh, I'm, I'm going to start first because we was just talking about her. But the scene where the two of them are sitting in there watching the movie together and she reaches over and she just starts like... And we've all done that. Do you know what I mean? It's like a very, it's, it's the first, like putting the toe in the water and then continuing on with it. I was like, this is really, this, it's not going to be an all campy satire. I was like, there's going to be yeah. a real heart here. I was like, I'm so touched by this. That, but I just wanted to, her, her handling of that scene, I think is so nicely done. That's <laughs> mine. Yeah. What about you folks? I think for me, one of the funniest moments, and it's, it's completely genuine. It's, much like in Greece, God bless a Jan in any sort of media. Um, but uh, when Jan stands up and she is, you know, it's what we were talking about before of like a butcher of femme presenting. She is the butchest one. She has, you know, the very popular haircut today of like completely shaved sides, kind of mohawk. Mm-hmm. It's totally silent. And she stands up as they are going through and they're in a neutral space. The room is yellow. So it's already like a more neutral space. Their, their group therapy session. She's like, I'm straight. I just want a big fat wiener in my, and then she runs out of the room. (laughs) Everyone's like, amen. Like it is so brilliant. And they are telling her, they're like, you're not straight because you were molested. You were, here are the reasons you're gay. I think in 10 seconds of the movie, they dismantle the whole debate of nature versus nurture, Mm. handle it in the most humorous way. And you're left like really analyzing your own belief system of like why people are gay as you're laughing. It's just so great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Caleb, what about you? Got a favorite? Oh gosh. I think one of my favorite moments is, uh, are all the little ways in throughout the movie where they queer the the like the stereotypes like the straight stereotypes like the fact that they have them separated and having like the women work together to change baby's diaper I'm like you're just reinforcing uh, two women working together and learning to communicate with one another successfully in a relationship so I love, I love that. It's so tongue in cheek and it's so prevalent throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. you want to separate? <laughs> wouldn't you yeah, want to exactly. separate? I think you would pair them. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Robbie? Oh God, I'm, I'm sorry. The funniest thing for me is watching uh, Kathy Moriarty coach her son through the sex simulation. Oh, and he just keeps gosh. going, ah, oh, mom. <laughs> um, it's so stupid. And so funny because he's in that outfit with just that fig leaf. And, oh, yeah. and she's just sitting there now. 
the man, the man puts it inside the woman, and he's like, oh, gross. It's so yeah. good. It's so and good. And she's sitting on a director's chair. Yes. And then when he's like, but you notice when he says, and then she puts it inside the woman, then he starts doing push-ups on her. Yep. He, yeah. doesn't, yep. he doesn't know how to have sex, so he just does push-ups it's Genius. And she's it's, like, very good. Very, very good. good. It's just so good. It really is. Oh, uh, so so one of the big things that we ask about all these artifacts that we like to dig up is, you know, this was made 20 years ago. It's the 20th anniversary. I can't believe that because that makes me feel really old. Um, <laughs> right, Robbie? <laughs> Can you get my hearing aids? Check your battery. Check your Alma. Check your batteries. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the question is: Is does this film still hold up in 2020? Could we? Does it still hold up today? 20 years later, does it still hold up? I don't know if it could be released today without a ton of disclaimer, without a ton and ton of disclaimer of like, this is a satire and we are aware of the trauma that surrounds this very real ongoing. Like, I think there would have to be more than just a release of a film. Like, there would have to be a lot of like media and dialogue from the cast, from the crew and the creative team of just like the awareness of what they're doing in the film so that people don't just immediately vilify it, you know? Right. Like a disclaimer right at the beginning, this is a oh, satire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which of course yeah. kills the satire altogether. Exactly. Right. When you, when you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, what about you, Shen? Yeah. I think because of queer theory and like the way that it kind of dismantles gender roles, it started a conversation in a in a piece of, you know, lesbian geared media. It started a conversation about dismantling the binary by including so many different representations of homosexuality, as well as, you know, butch presenting straightness and women and, uh, you know, possible gender identity issues that you could continue to unpack it and unpack it and unpack it and still have the good discussion and, and do the good work of saying, you know, what are the inherent gender truths that this is commenting on? And, mm -hmm. and you know, how can we take this satire and then build a more constructive and less gender-based society? Great. And Robbie? Um, unlike... Uh, the puppy episode of Ellen that we talked about last week, Ellen's coming out episode, which 100% holds up uh, over the hour. I don't know that this completely does anymore um, because of the year we're in. I think as a sort of piece of where we were at that time, it's, it's, it's good as a museum piece of uh, sort of culture, but I don't know... First of all, it would never hit movie theaters no, no. right now. It would for sure be like a Showtime, you know, yeah. <laughs> made for made for Hulu uh, yeah. moments. But uh, and it wouldn't get as many eyes on it, I don't think, right. as it did uh, back in 2000. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of the things I think that's interesting about this movie is it got really bad reviews when it first came out. I mean, there was there were very few critics. I mean, Roger Ebert, I think, came closest because he gave it three out of four stars, which was like the highest review it gotten from anybody. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think it's going to be one of those films that in years it's going to be a great cult classic, like something you play at midnight. Um, and I sort of agree with that. I agree with that because I think it really encapsulates, like like Robbie was saying, the time period mm -hmm. in which it was being created. But something that I think is so foreign, like that very sort of like attempted being like Leave It to Beaver, Ozzy and Harriet, which is like what Mink Stoll and Bud Court are representing. A new generation, their parents aren't like that. So why, so why do we have to watch this? Why is this part of our card? Um, I think part of the card, it obviously, is the cast. It's one of those things, much like Rocky Horror, where you watch it and you're like, those people agreed to do what now? Um, and uh, watching it again as an adult, I was like, this is, the performances are so honest and brilliant. And, mm. and it, you know, it is a time capsule of that kind of turn of the century lesbian identity. And I think then it becomes an important cultural milestone for generations to be like, this is where we came from. This mm -hmm. was the dialogue we were having then. Grow off of this, learn from this. Um, and then it has so many nods to, you know, John Waters type 
yes. camp and uh, heightened aestheticism that it, it just gives you a cultural place of where we're coming from. Because, you know, now we get into so much infighting in uh, the queer identity about... Yeah. <laughs> we love and, to eat our own. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and this is very much a movie about like when the oppressor was another force. And I think it's important, especially like, you know, we're all very fortunate to kind of be in the tri-state area or in this kind of northeastern centric mindset or more liberal mindset. And it's like, this is still happening in 30 states, mm -hmm. totally legally. Um, and many different uh, subsects of culture that do not embrace homosexuality. You know, it's still it's still a mantle that we have to take up. Yeah, I think I think it is because uh, there there's more uh, gay male representation on screen than there is of lesb the lesbian uh, sort of umbrella yeah. on screen, and this is such a and there's certainly not a lot in comedy like sad things happen to gays in film and that's not what happens here I'm getting emotional and I don't know why because I don't sleep anymore uh so I think that for that reason it's a the reason you need to see the movie is because uh it is uh lesbian representation that is um nobody dies you know yeah. what I mean? Right. There's, it's not sad. Yeah. And, you know, I understand you getting emotional because we're, we're similar ages and that's what we saw. That's Thank always, so that's all we saw growing up though, was, you know, if you were gay, you will die. That's yeah, all you, that, you will get AIDS and die. You'll get AIDS and die. Until the movie trick happened. And that, and that sort of changed everything. But yeah, that was that one, was the, that was a mm -hmm. blip because we mm -hmm. still got this idea. Yeah. You will, you will die. You will be punished. Mm -hmm. um you, you will be killed you will be killed yeah you will be killed which is ha still happening have you seen um disclosure has anyone Not watched yet. disclosure yet it's on, on netflix i again have been watching supermarket sweep because the world is so oppressive but it is in my queue <laughs> will i mean i i have a feeling it's something will brit will talk about on the podcast yeah. at some point but sure. that but that really focuses on how much like what your sexuality and your identity is something that will be punished. And mm -hmm. we've, we've seen that so much. And you're right. So to see something like this where it's it's life affirming. Yeah. And hopefully not a spoiler alert, but the last shot of them riding away, kissing yeah. on, on a pickup truck. It's sorry, like that's not the last shot because as oh, we sorry. discussed. Yes, yeah, second to last shot. Second to last shot. Sorry. <laughs> Do you even like movies? <laughs> no. No, and like I said, yeah. I'm o I'm only queer when this podcast is on. My other podcast, oh. football, um, is when I go and I put on my my straight. I just try to get as many podcasts as possible, so I'll change my my identity as much. I as truly possible. don't know what just happened. It was magical and terrifying at the same time. It was that's, the, that's what my first girlfriend said too. I don't have to watch nine hours of Lord of the Rings now because I just saw you. <laughs> transform into your <laughs> wizard form <laughs> thank you for that well i hey you ready you two you ready to play some trivia oh, we love yes. trivia. yes yes okay oh, work what is the name of the bar the kids sneak off to the, the cocksucker <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> yes nothing makes me happier because they didn't like come up with like a cute like name for a gay bar they're just like cocksucker and you're like yep no. <laughs> where i grew up every gay bar was named after basically a character from west side story it was like action and anybody's and you know uh riff, rabba jabba uh so the cocksucker come on so good <laughs> where did you grow up Binghamton, new york three gay bars you know there was like some gay city developer that was like, "This is what the names are going to be." They were all, they're always like chances or they are risky they business. Like, oh shit, what's mm -hmm. gonna, and the lesbian bar was named Squiggies. So, oh, yep. Yep. yep, we had we had one gay bar at Penn State, and it was called Chumleys. 
Mm. And can I tell? Can I tell you what really pisses me off? That sounds like off? a secondary character on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> tell me about Chumleys. Where's Plankton? He's over at Chumleys. Right, that makes sense. Oh, did you spit that out was, your rosé? I'm sorry. This is Campari and Tonic because sorry. I'm classy. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. But let me tell you what really pisses me off. So Penn State, which is a very big drinking school, even though now we're like, oh, we don't drink so much. I'm like, yeah, bullshit. They have a no poster that like has every single bar in the in Happy Valley. And like once you go to every bar, you're supposed to like cross it Chumleys off to say that you've been the there. Chumley's is the only bar that is not on the 42 fucking bars that are listed on this poster. That's intentional. Yeah, hundred percent. Although I will say when I start when I go back there now, I go in and I see a lot of like football players come in to grab a drink and they're like checking it off my list. So they've added it on their own, which I'm oh, like that's nice. progress. Okay. So yeah. progress. progress. Hey, question number two for you two for you <laughs> folks. <laughs> you were born to host like a game show. Hey, I I really want to host a talk show. Uh, maybe a game show is better for me. Uh, not recommended because they get canceled. Right, One, sorry. two, three, four. I won't take no anymore. Five, six, <gasps> seven, eight. I want you to be my mate. One, two, three, four. You're the one that I adore. Five, six, seven, eight. Seven, eight. Don't, Don't run, run from me because this is fate. Oh yes. Oh, yes. I just got a little goosey. That's. <laughs> Goose, little gray goose. You two yeah, are too man. cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was so right. sweet. Go, nice. go, to, go to the third one, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. I'm watching no! people in love. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No! Blank is for sissies. Real men go in, unload, and pull out. Four plays for <laughs> sissies. <laughs> Where have you been hiding that genius Kathy Moriarty impression? That was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I was I'm very good at mimicking people. God, that mm. was good. Yeah. That was very good. Damn it! I feel like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Our first episode was Soap Dish, so like the, the Kathy Moriarty is strong in this podcast. Yeah. Um, and thank you for bringing up the trans representation on Soap Dish. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I was like, this is actually a true story. I was like crocheting in bed listening to Soap Dish yeah. 1, and then you're like, and then my trans, and we went, oh! <gasps> Yes. <laughs> like, Mrs. Levitt was like, a customer, like, in my brain. <laughs> so excited. Like, <laughs> we just love that shit. I, don't I know. love that. Now I pictured you dressed as Mrs. Levitt crocheting in the bed. <laughs> kind of happy with it. All God, right. Mr. Happy. Here we go. Real footage of me. All right. <laughs> All right. This is, this is a little bit of a two-parter. Well, two lines of dialogue. Megan says, cheers are supposed to be simple. Make people feel good. And Graham says, cheers make girls do stupid cartwheels. Blank make people feel good. Orgasms. Very good. Oh, my God. I love that they're in tandem every time they yes, answer. This is, this is uniform. This is, it is Emily and Alice singing together. I'm very excited. <laughs> All right, Robbie, asking the last question. She's just upset because the blank on her plate is the only kind she can eat. Fish on her plate is the only kind she can eat. <laughs> also with the cadences. Yep. Uh, I, I'm telling you, it's one of those movies that is in my brain. Like, uh, it is just there. Like, you said, the cadences, everything about it's just, like, there. Oh, yeah. I, I, are, Robbie, are they the first to get five out of five? Five out of five. You get no gifts. <laughs> um, Good, we're moving. We don't want None. any. We well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we registered. <laughs> We haven't set up a Patreon yet, so we have no money. Yeah, we have nothing uh, we, for you. No, we work in the arts. They, there's this nothing, is... not even unemployment. <laughs> Everything's okay. fine. I understand. We got it. I worked in a thing once called theater. It was a fad. A <laughs> <laughs> couple hundred years old. Uh, we've loved celebrating, but I'm a cheerleader with you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Robbie, what's everyone's homework for the next episode? Oh, you guys. We are watching the Bette Midler, Lily Tomlin classic, Big Business. I am so fucking excited. Yes. 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 Why not? Shannon, Caleb, thank you so much for recommending this movie. Oh. Thank you so much for talking about it with us. And uh, let us know when the wedding happens. Robbie and yeah. I will be there and we'll be more than happy to sing. Yes. Can we, can we find you guys on the internets? Yeah. What's, what's the social media? 
Um, so I have two. One is my personal, which is uh, at Caleb wasn't there on Instagram. The other one that I'm very proud of is on Instagram as well. It's called the Queer Joy Project. Uh, the handle is at Queer Joy Project. And it is a photo series that I have kind of undertaken over the last year and a half of folks who have reached out to me who have wanted to share their story of their, the things about being queer that bring them joy. So I go, I photograph them for like an hour. We have like a great session. We just talk. I ask them some questions and then I do a feature about them. So I have a ton of features of amazing, wonderful queer people of all different backgrounds from the Philadelphia and like New York area. So that's, that's really where I'm at. Yeah. Awesome. I should, I should say that Caleb is a brilliant photographer. Caleb's an absolute brilliant photographer. The Thank you, Rob. That's, that's very generous. Please. Shannon? Um, my social media is entirely self-serving. ShannonAgnew.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> yes, you'd be self-serving. You'd be self-serving. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you both so much. This was an absolute joy. Hopefully, you'll join us again at some point. And like I said, you let us know what song you want us to sing at the wedding, and we'll, we'll do that. We'll be oh there. Gosh, yes. We'll be there. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we love uh, both of you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you.